before we go to the gospel preaching, I'm just going to ask uh, Joseph to come and read to us from God's Word. He's going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to be reading from Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1 to 7, page 830 in the Black Bibles. But remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw nigh, of which thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars be darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows are darkened and the doors are shut towards the street when the sound of the grinding is subdued and they rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of song are brought low and they are also afraid of what is high and terrors are in the way and the almond is despised and the grasshopper is a burden and the kappa berry is without effect for man goeth in his aid long home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be shattered at the fountain, or the will be broken at the cistern, and the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit return unto God who gave it. Well, thank you to Joseph. It's very well read and uh, brings, I think, to our minds many thoughts and uh, imagery, if, if we have understood uh, the, the imagery that there is in these verses, there's a challenge here to those who are young. And uh, we, we probably have slightly less young people here tonight than we, we normally have. And some are away with, for various reasons. And yet, uh, for those of us who, who are here and, and those who have joined on Zoom, uh, the challenge in this passage is for those who are young, but it applies to all of us. So Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, and Solomon is, after uh, 11 chapters in which he talks about the vanity of, of life, and in verse 8 he repeats this vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. <coughs> Yet he has this exhortation for those who are young. And as I say, it applies to all of us. Because for many the evil days that are described in verse 1 have come. For many the years have drawn nigh which is described in verses 1 and 2, where a person would say, I have no pleasure in them. When a person lives their whole life without God, and they come to the very brink of death, you can go to any elderly person's home 
in this area or any other part of the country and you can see the effects of old age or we, we have all had relatives and perhaps grandparents and some who lived to a very old age and those who live without God they soon come to realise that there is no hope as they come to the end of their life. In our society today, we try to play down the reality of death. We try to make it palatable. Pain is reduced by morphine, and many slip into eternity without making peace with their maker, their creator. There's one thing which is universal in the world. People can say that there is no God, and yet in their heart they, they know, because the Bible says, it says in the Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We have to be very foolish to think that there is no God. Atheists such as Richard Dawkins have tried to ridicule, and he's a scientist, and they try to say that it, it's all nonsense. And yet, where will the atheists be on the other side of death? Because no matter how clever, no matter how educated they might be, no matter what they think they can rely upon, as they pass through what the Bible calls as the valley of death, on the other side, they think that there is no God. And yet, what a shock, they were, as they have tried to convince themselves that, they have, that there is no God. What a shock awaits them. And the challenge of the writer here in the Old Testament is that we should consider, we should remember our Creator. It's the, the great, the famous evangelist Billy Graham who said that we only have to look through a telescope to know that there is a God. We only have to look through a microscope to know that there is a God. You think of the marvel of God's creation. If you see something marvellous, like a wonderful painting, great, uh, a great work of an artist, you think, who is the painter? What is the name of a painter who could paint such a beautiful work of art? Or you might go into London or some other city and you see a work of great architecture, perhaps that has stood for a few hundred years even. You see the design, you see the, the pillars, and you see the fine artistry. You can go to many cities in Europe and see architecture that has been designed by someone who had a concept of beauty and, and symmetry that you see, which is if you like, thinking God's thoughts after him. And to say that there is no God is like saying that such a work of architecture 
came into being by chance. It's like saying that a Boeing aeroplane was assembled by magic, by chance. How could something that is designed for a particular job that relies on the safety of its design to carry passengers safely around the world, how could such a large and incredible piece of equipment, what we call an aircraft, how could that have come about by chance? If you tried to say such a thing, people would scorn, people would think you were ridiculous, people would think you were out of your mind. And yet, you take a look, think about the human brain. The human brain, one part of our body, and yet its design is so miraculous, so remarkable. No man could replicate the design of the human brain or the design of the human body. If something so marvellous and so capable, so intelligent, could come about by chance. Do you not think such an idea is ridiculous? Christians who, who are scientists who have looked into these things, studied these things, have talked about something called irreducible complexity, meaning that the transition from evolution is, is not possible. It's not possible for, as they claim, for, for an organism, for something which is living and alive to have uh, been, come about as a result of evolution, of, of a chance process. You think of the human eye. This is what they call irreducible complexity because you, it, it could never have come about by evolution. There had to be a maker. There had to be a designer. And the Bible speaks about this designer. His name is God. Or if we go back into the Old Testament, he is called the Eternal. He is called Jehovah. He is the one who was from the beginning to the end. This, friends, is why we do well to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. If, if, you're, if you can classify yourself as, as young tonight and uh, you have life before you, you have energy, imagine to live your... You know, when we're young, we think that that life is going to go on forever. When we're in our, our teens and twenties and we, we think of our life and we think of people who are 70 years or 80 years or 90 years, it seems like an eternity, doesn't it? It seems like life is forever. And, and like the man in the parable who said, let us eat, drink and... Sorry, let us eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die... But Jesus in the parable said that it was said to the man, 
this day is your soul required of you. This was a man who said, we will pull down our barns and build bigger ones in, in the parable. Someone who was ambitious. And many people today are ambitious about life. Many people today have great ambitions, but those ambitions will all come to nothing in the end. Because we can't take anything with us. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. What will it do for the chief executive officer of a large corporation who is on a salary that seems out of this world of several hundred thousand a year and maybe lives in a beautiful mansion in a secluded area can only have to go down to somewhere like Thorpe Bay perhaps, somewhere where there are lots of houses or even closer than that, where there are houses that are um, have very large premises. And you think of how people are living in luxury while others are struggling. And yet, whether we are rich or poor, says in the scripture, give me neither, I think that was in Proverbs, give me neither poverty or, or riches. Because no matter what we have, it's all going to, it's all going to be destroyed one day. Because this present earth, and the Apostle Peter reminds us, this earth is going to be destroyed in a great fire, it says in, in, in Peter, that everything is going to come to destruction on, on the day of the Lord, because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so if we're not ready for the new heaven and the new earth, we have no hope. And so it's no use thinking that if you're young, that I have all of life ahead of me, and then I can think about God. Many people do not have time or opportunity to think about God when they come to the end of their lives. We know very well, life can be taken, life can be snuffed out, just an accident on the road, a sudden unexpected illness, a terminal illness, all kinds of other calamities and, and diseases, and life is over for many, many millions in this world. Life is over before they reach their prime. We cannot guarantee that we will even have another day in this world. And yet God has given us physical life. And so there's a reason this is the wisdom of Solomon here, that we should remember our Creator in the days of our youth. But if those days have already passed, and if we're already much further on in life, it still applies in the same way, because today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. What do we mean by salvation? We mean the work of Jesus Christ that he did 
The creator that we are to remember is the maker of the universe. And the maker of the universe is Jesus Christ. In the book of the Gospel of John, we read that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says that the same was... I'll I, I just turn to, to get the words. Correct. John chapter 1. I actually memorised this when I was 14. Um, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things received, all things received being through him, and without him not one thing received being which has received being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light appears in darkness, and the darkness and apprehended it not. I was actually teaching from this passage earlier in this week, and the word here is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're being introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ who is God. We have in the scripture, it is revealed to us, the triune being, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Son is Jesus. The Son is the one who made the world. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who brings light. We could not live without Jesus Christ. It tells us in scripture that he upholds all things by the word of his power. So we are talking of universal truths. You know, people can say, this is not for me. They don't understand because they're walking in blindness, they're walking in darkness. They don't understand that this is for them because they were made by the same God. And he alone, he who made us, alone can save us. Jesus came into the world, the one by whom the worlds were made, the one who brought all things into being by the word of his mouth. He came, he took on human flesh. Why did he come? He came because he saw that men and women were alienated from God. Men and women were lost. Hopeless, without hope in the world, in the darkness of sin, in the darkness of rebellion against their maker, we all were in that condition and we all needed a saviour, a deliverer, one who could rescue us, one who could save us from death and destruction. Because what is beyond the grave is not the atheists or the humanists' utopia, what lies beyond the grave, the Bible says, it's appointed to man once to die, and after that the judgment. And so what lies beyond the grave is that every man and woman, everyone who's ever lived, must give account of themselves to God. There'd be no escaping on that day. No one would be able to claim that there's no God on that day because the Bible says that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. That means every follower of Muhammad will one day 
bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Every follower of Hindu gods will one day bow the knee to Christ. Every atheist ever born into the world will one day bow the knee to Jesus Christ. There will be no escape. We all have to give an account before God. But there is a way of escape. There is a way to escape from judgment and hell and everlasting destruction. And that way is to do as Solomon exhorted the people. He said, remember thy creator. Have you remembered your creator? Are you ready to meet your maker? Or you can be ready through knowing Jesus Christ. You can be ready by putting your trust in the Lord Jesus who died for your sins and my sins on the cross, who, who took the destruction that we deserved so that we could have everlasting life. And that is the way that we can be saved. That is the way that we can be forgiven. That is the means to everlasting life. And my friends, when we come to Jesus, it will be a whole new life. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ. It says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new.